Well, thank you, Rick, and thank you, uh, uh, each of you, uh, for your work and heart and passion for the gospel and the passion to come together and pray. Uh, like Rick said, I'm involved with Spread Truth Ministries, and one thing that um, I'll just briefly say is that a number of years ago, I was listening to a message by Dr. Tim Keller, and he said, the way we share the gospel is going to have to change. And that kind of threw me back a little bit, but he said, it's because people had changed. He said, it used to be in America that uh, people had what he referred to as a Christ hauntedness, not that they had trusted Christ as savior, but they had kind of a working knowledge of certain parts of the Bible. So when you came along with your uh, normal evangelistic uh, presentations or conversations, kind of bullet points, they could connect the dots. He says that group of people is shrinking in America, and so we need to be more holistic and be able to share the gospel that covers the narrative of Scripture, the rhythm of the Scripture of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And so he said, well, that'll take our best scholars and best theologians to do that, and I certainly wasn't that, but this was back in 2006. And so at our ministry at Spread Truth, having been in New York City for many years, we decided, could we come up with a little booklet that would cover that rhythm of scripture, design it in such a way that would be attractive to the unbeliever. And that began our journey down this meta narrative with a booklet, with training, and with a film that's actually on that app that's in 23 different languages, a six minute animation whereby if you share it with someone, we've contextualized it depending on the culture and they respond. You have your own analytics to see where it was opened up. They can connect back and forth with you uh, to any questions they may have. And so it's just our kind of little slice and the things that are going on around the world to possibly reach uh, different groups of people, unreached people groups with the gospel. So if you get a chance, go to the Google store or the uh, Apple store and just look up uh, the story and uh, spread truth and it should uh, be up there. But enough about uh, the things that we're doing there. I just wanted to kind of give you just a kind of a devotional thought coming out of Acts chapter 12. Let me read here. James has been killed and Peter is now in prison. It says about that time, Herod, the king, uh, laid violent hands on some who belong to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And we see as the story goes on, it's uh, a, a little bit comical in the sense that you see that Peter's, the people's prayer is answered and an angel comes and releases Peter from prison, goes through the prison doors, angel proceeds to open the gates and the angel leaves. And Peter then is going to go where the people are praying. And you know the story that Rhoda came to the door, all excited, but in all of her excitement, uh, she forgot to let him in. 
she then goes back and says to the people, you won't believe Peter's here. They said, you're out of your mind. It must be an angel. And uh, of course, the story goes on that, you know, obviously they eventually let him in there. But it's the thought I just kind of want to share with you this morning is, is that here's a group of people, uh, first of all, that are earnestly praying at the beginning of the church. And I just would, I left a conversation, I mean, uh, uh, the Gospel Coalition is having their meeting this week up in Indianapolis. And I was just listening to David Platt speak. And he's talking about the local church and prayer. And he goes back and references the, of course, revival of what God has done over the last hundred years in the country of Korea. And in the beginning of the, uh, in the 1900s, there was only less than 1% of the Korean population was evangelical. But some missionaries and churches had gotten together. And there happened to be at that time a real outbreak of confession and repentance, and deep, deep prayer. And of course, we all know the story of what's happened because of that. But he talks about, David Platt talks about one of his professors going over there, and he was staying in a hotel. And he was awoke, awakened at four o'clock in the morning. And he looked outside, and there was a stadium kind of full of people making a lot of noise. They think, well, what in the world's going on? What type of country is having sports activities at four o'clock in the morning? So a few hours later, he went downstairs to the desk and said, hey, listen, what in the, what are you guys, what sport are you playing at four o'clock in the morning? He said, no, that was a stadium full of people that were praying. And that's why we see the revival. But going back to this passage, what's encouraging to know is in this passage, they prayed earnestly. But their prayers weren't necessarily perfect as far as their faith, because actually they were just totally surprised that God had answered their prayer. They said, listen, you're just out of your mind. And it's kind of an encouragement to know that when we pray to God, a number of things are happening, but he takes our imperfect prayers and our lack of faith and still answers. Uh, A few years ago, my sister-in-law gave a talk on the subject, it was kind of at Easter time, and it was on the stone that only God could roll away. And so as she was speaking, she asked the ladies in the group that they would just take a stone, and she provided each one of them a little small round stone, and asked them to place a name on that stone, indicating that this is something that only God can do. It would just be a reminder of his promises. So my wife's mother who's now passed away. Uh, Her name was Bobby Yerrick. David Yerrick used to be, I think, on Sermon Audio there at Hampton Park Baptist Church. It was his wife, Jeannie's mom, took the stone, and she placed the name of a family member on it. At the time, we didn't know about it and who it was until after she had passed away. And they were going through her stuff, and they found her stone And with that stone was a family member's name on it. It happened to be my son, Josh, who has gone through a very difficult journey in life. And, uh, but what a blessing to know. And I think this is really incredible that the prayers of her that she prayed has never died. 
Uh, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. And it's a blessing to know that our prayers are never discarded, even though like this prayer here in Acts 5, they didn't have enough faith. Or you ever pray about something and you, continue, you just forgot that you ever prayed about it? They man, I hadn't prayed about that in a couple of years. Or the fact of my mother-in-law already gone to heaven. They're still before God. Here's what Martin Batterson has to say. I think you like this. He says, our prayers never die. When we pray, our prayers exit our four dimensions of space-time limitations because the God who answers them exists outside of the four dimensions he created. You never know when he's when his timeless answer will re-enter the atmosphere of our lives, and that should fill us with holy anticipation. Never underestimate his ability to answer any time, any place, and anyhow. He has infinite answers to our finite prayers. Thankful to a God who exists outside of time and remembers our prayers long after we've forgotten them or long after we are gone. So whether, like these people here, they prayed earnestly and they just didn't have enough faith, but he answered anyway. Or it may be prayers that we've prayed that we've forgotten about for years. They're still before him. Or the prayers we've prayed and one day that we will be with him in glory. And I've prayed a lot of prayers for my son. Uh, some I've forgotten about, but there'll be a day when I'm gone and I'm glad those prayers don't die because he exists outside of time and they're continually before him.